Sad news about Winston Marshall. Not sure who he is? Well, he's the banjo player and lead guitarist of Mumford and Sons. Now, of course, you know who he is, right? Yeah. Well, he has stepped away from the band and offered an apology after he faced a little backlash for a now-deleted tweet promoting that he read a book and now he's going to take time away from the band (laughs) to examine his blind spots. What was the book, you ask? Well, it was Andy to go, uh, his book. And Marshall praised Andy over the weekend. Uh, The book Unmasked, of course, which offers a look inside Antifa's radical plan to destroy democracy. And he tweeted, finally had time to read your important book. You're a brave man. Whoa. I mean, how bad? How much worse can it get? Now, uh, he was called Marshall, Winston Marshall, the banjo player, was called a Nazi, likes fascist propaganda by a bunch of critics. And he deleted the tweet. Wow. (laughs) They wanted the band to fire him. They were calling for him to just go away. So he deleted the tweet and then released a statement saying, I have offended not only a lot of people I don't know, but also those closest to me, including my bandmates. And for that, I am truly sorry. As a result of my actions, I'm taking time away from the band to examine my blind spots. For now, please know that I realize how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as approvals of hateful, divisive behavior. I apologize, as this was not my intention. Now, I don't know how the band's going to get by. Um, Holy cow, without their (laughs) banjo player. And, you know, Mumford and Sons is just, you know, number one on my listening list. I know they're a big band. I know they've got a lot of hits and people love them. But what happened to rock and roll? What happened to musicians who say F you? Yeah, I liked it. So he didn't he didn't walk away from the band for reading the book. He walked away because he admitted to reading the book and threw out a hey important book you're a brave man yeah no kidding i mean uh andy's been uh, physically assaulted doxxed uh, had uh antifa d- visit his home uh the guy is uh, on the front lines on the front lines and so for anyone to be ashamed of reading the man's book and his account of what's going on is agonizing. And I hope Mr. Banjo Player just goes away. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. There is actual sad news. Uh, Lou Ottens, a Dutch engineer, and I would not have known who this man was either yesterday uh, if asked. But he is credited with the invention of the a cassette tape. 
uh, he just passed away at the age of 94. And his story is incredible. He ha- he helped, uh, he invented the cassette tape and he helped invent the uh, CD. Amazing. He worked for an electronics manufacturer, Philips, in 1952 and by 1960 was head of product development. And they developed the world's first portable tape recorder. <laughs> in 63, he introduced the first cassette tape at a Berlin radio show electronics fair, which, uh, you know, was supposed to supersede the reel to reel systems. Uh, yeah, it kind of did that. And they trademarked compact cassette. So he makes a deal with Sony on the design with the standard cassette. And now that's, you know, absolutely, uh, standard across the U S and the world. A hundred billion have been sold. (laughs) And at least 200 billion CDs have been sold since they were made available in 1982. And he played a key role in the development of that in 1979 just uh amazing and according to this uh the british phonographic industry estimated that 157,000 tapes were sold in the uk by the end of 2020 despite the lockdowns so i mean they're making a you know a a surge Uh, people are you know going back to retro cassettes and lps but uh just amazing i mean the highest uh since 2003 this last year was the highest number and groups are, you know, releasing stuff on, on cassettes and albums now again. But it's just, uh, you know, sad. The guy's 94. And, uh, I mean, genius, right? I mean, he invented the cassette and the CD. Things that play a part in our everyday lives that we don't even think of. Uh, just amazing. And, you know, rest in peace, Lou Ottens, inventor of the auto cassette. It's almost worth a retrospective. May have to do that. I think I just did, really, without the... This has been retrospective on CTF. I'm sure that uh, we can find something bad about the guy to throw in the retro, the actual retrospective. You know, like, he's a white guy. Uh, So, you know, he first threw out the... uh, You know, I know he's a Dutch engineer, but uh, the cassette was first released at the Berlin radio show electronics fair we all know what berlin is famous for so as a white guy from europe who released showed off the cassette for the very first time in berlin i think we could find something bad to throw into the retro as well (laughs) oh just amazing i mean the guy plays a part in everyone's lives for all these years and he could walk anonymously among us So one of my favorite sayings has been for a while now. How about uh, no? Uh, that's We're able to say that from time to time. And it especially became prominent during this whole, you know, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and the whole thing. I mean, it's just sometimes you have to be willing to say uh, no. Well, I read the story about this uh, this lady who spent a year saying no to everything amazing 
right? And I mean, what a great story. And in today's world, I mean, it's a, it's a great book. And I mean, she could post stuff online. But, uh, you know, it's she claims Michelle Elman is the uh, person, author, human, that uh, decided that I would, I wanted to say no. And I would say no without justifying myself. It'd be a really, really strange experiment for someone to try, right? A waiter asks if you're enjoying your food and suddenly no seems impossible to say. A hairdresser makes his final chop and looks up to ask you if you're happy with the result. And the word seems to have disappeared from your vocabulary. And she's right. You just, yeah, fine. How you doing? Good. Uh, is, are you happy with this? Yeah, fine. I mean, of course, yes. You say yes. But she decided that no. So when she said, she claims that she first started saying no, it was clumsy, messy, and awkward, uh, especially when I didn't follow up with some excuse. So I would justify it a little bit too much. But with practice, she claims it became easier. I became accustomed to the standard responses. <laughs> I was more confident in holding the silence and allowing the person to have their reaction. And I didn't feel the need to try and change their opinion of me. So it's just no. And she said no to everything for a year. So I find it fascinating. I, I, I would love to talk to her and uh, get some of the, you know, examples of the hardest the hardest reactions the harshest reactions to no <laughs> i just said no to everything when you learn how to use the word no your yes has more meaning i mean that's that's her book her her book michelle Allen, uh, is called the joy of being selfish and uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to reach out to her and say, uh, and see if we can talk to her because uh, she was told, she talks about in this article how her friends would tell her that she was too nice and, you know, she was a pushover. But uh, she claims that learning how to say no was the first step in a long journey of learning how to set boundaries. And she claims now that she checks in with herself before responding. I know when I want to say no and when I want to say yes. I look at my own priorities and see if I have both the time and the energy to accommodate the request. And if I don't, I decline without guilt. So, I mean, that's incredible. Just say no to everything for a year, right? Or however long you decide. Just no. Hey, want to go out to... No. We're going to be doing this. Would you like to... No. Wow. And she claims now that people no longer uh, take her presence for granted and appreciate it when I you know, choose to come along. And, and her life, according to her, is no longer being dictated by others. And I choose where to spend my time and energy. Amazing. Amazing to think about how you would say no to everything because there's some stuff you want to say yes to right or you you 
I mean, as a kid, you would say, no, you don't want to do something and your parents would make you do it, right? They would say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You're going to do it. And uh, you have a good time after doing it and you realize, you know, your parents, I told you you'd like it. That's why I brought you along. It was no way. And, you know, it, it happens as adults too. You don't really want to do something, but you end up doing it and it was uh, worth doing. But would it have been better had you said no, I, I, you know, according, <laughs> according to Michelle Elman, yeah. I mean, oh, did I say yes? I mean, no, it wouldn't have been, but sure, sure. Will you go with sure, not yes. Uh, sure, it would be better. Just uh, say no. I mean, I don't know if I, I mean, the book is The Joy of Being Selfish. I may have just put the big uh, no I mean, that's kind of, I thought maybe that's the title of my book. How about, uh, no? Because <laughs> you've already got, I mean, we had the whole just say no campaign, you know, oh gosh, probably been a hundred years ago now, right? With, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Nancy Reagan, right? That had the just say no campaign? Yeah, I think it was. So, you uh you can't go with that and then there was you know yes man remember i mean jim carrey made a movie out of it called yes man back i don't know in the 2000s but i remember the book that was a yes man where the guy just said yes to everything and it was uh, you know quite an achievement for his life and obviously he you know wrote the book and and uh you know described his uh his experiences and i know there's several other books out there one was this um tv writer that talked about saying yes to everything uh anyway this so instead of saying yes this particular uh author michelle what's her name again michelle elman just said no and it'd be fascinating to see how your life goes with saying no how about uh no now there is something you can say yes to i mean we're all looking to save some money right especially now how would you like to keep an extra 960 bucks in your pocket uh 961 dollars in your pocket to be exact that's how much gabby customers save per year on average on car and home insurance so use gabby to shop for that new insurance uh it's time to go shopping for your insurance this is the time of the year when we go shopping for insurance gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like progressive nationwide travelers just link your current insurance account and in just minutes you're going to be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have i mean it's genius and like i mentioned gabby customers have saved 961 dollars a year on average and that would be nice to have in your pocket right now. I know I would like to have that in my pocket right now. Wouldn't you? If they can't find your savings, they'll let you know. You can relax knowing you have the best rate out there. They're never going to sell your info to those annoying spam and robocalls, which I love. 
because we all get way too many of those and you're not going to get any by using the Gabby Insurance app. You're probably overpaying on car insurance and home insurance. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash why. Gabby.com slash why. G-A-B-I dot com slash W-H-Y. Gabby. Did you write it down yet? Gabby. G-A-B-I dot com slash Y. Now more than ever, you need to save some money just like the rest of us. And saving money on your car and home insurance would be a good place to start. Gabby.com slash Y. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh, yeah. Okay, amazing. So, let me ask you a question. If you worked for a company and they started asking you to strip down to your underwear in front of everyone and talk about your emotional vulnerabilities under the pretense of a team building exercise, would you do it? I guess, I mean, (laughs) how much does the job pay, Jeff? I don't know. I don't know. But this particular lawsuit filed against Panda Express alleges that these humiliating rituals disguised as team-building exercises, happened. So there was a cashier, a former cashier, said she signed up for the self-improvement seminar, but had to strip down to her underwear in front of everyone and talk about her emotional vulnerabilities. She said she didn't expect uh, to be ordered later to hug it out with a similarly stripped-down male employee who had broken down in tears doing the, during their trust exercise, and it was being recorded on people's phones. <laughs> There's no way. At that point, you know, we're here for a team-building exercise. Okay, everybody strip down to your underwear. No. No, it's okay. I'm out. How about no? I mean, I know everybody needs a job. I, I know that. But it's Panda Express. And at some point, you've got to realize, you know what? I can just go down to McDonald's. I've already got, uh, I'm already a cashier here at Panda Express, so I can say I've had the experience. I'm out. So apparently, the first day of the training, she was forced to sit in a room with blacked out windows while the seminar supervisor loudly berated her for quite some time. I don't know how long that time is, what quite some time means. But the plaintiff, the girl, the lady, uh, alleges that her manager told her she would be considered for a promotion at the fast food chain only if she signed up for the class and she had to pay for the class herself. So she claims that she borrowed money, hundreds of dollars, according to the story, from relatives to pay the admission fee for this training seminar at Panda Express to get a promotion. How about uh, no? No, sorry. Now, do you believe that Panda Express, the corporation, knew that it was going on? I don't know. That's a tough one. Now, 
they obviously say, man, we were unaware of the experiences that the plaintiff, the plaintiff went through and Panda Express blamed the company it had hired to put the seminar on for what happened. Further, it denied that taking the seminar was required for the promotion. Well, okay. Now the suit alleges that Panda Express knew exactly what was happening given the branded seminar materials at the event, as well as the requirement that participants present their company ID numbers to session leaders. She claims that Panda Express had a closer relationship with the training company than it claims. But if you paid to take the class as a Panda Express employee, they're going to want to make sure that you actually are a Panda Express employee. I I don't know. It's It's really, really strange. And I don't know. If Panda Express is like uh, some of the other chains, fast food chains, where it is a franchise and not owned by the corporation. So you get, you know, you're, it's like McDonald's. There's plenty of McDonald's. There's separate companies that own, you know, three McDonald's and a Burger King, and a, they, you know, the company itself owns the franchise rights. You still have the deal with the company because they, you want, you know, you want to be involved. You want actual Panda Express cups and plates and forks and spoons and sporks and whatever else they have that specifically are Panda Express. I've got to be honest; I've never been to a Panda Express. This I know, I know. I, I'm just sitting here thinking, have I ever been to a Panda Express? And I remember watching so many of them over the years at different places I've lived open up, you know, coming soon, the new Panda Express. And the next thing you know, there's a Panda Express. But I've never actually gone there. I haven't gone out of my way to go to a Panda Express. Now, I think I've seen people with Panda Express stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I've never been to a Panda Express. I apologize. It makes me want to go and check. <laughs> so, hey, you got people stripped down in the back? Yeah, give me some fried rice and let me have, uh, give me some shrimp fried rice and let me have, uh, let me take a look out in the back, see if you, you know, who's gay, who you got stripped down back there. So, good luck. I mean, I hope that, look, this should not happen to anyone. I mean, come on now. Hazing rituals at Panda Express? Stop it. Stop it. This guy, I, I honestly, I don't believe that a, the corporation knew this was going on, right? This was management, uh, of that particular store and or franchise that was doing this now. And then you have, you know, then you've got the, you know, the, the, the company that's doing the sessions, are they all part of this berating and making people strip down and talk about their emotional vulnerabilities? I'm a cashier at Panda Express. Okay. Yeah. I want to manage, I want to manage the drive through window by next month. Okay. I don't want to, I want to make it, I want to get up to 15 bucks an hour and work the drive through window, manage that and make sure that the, you know, the rice is made correctly. Do I want to, you know, hug it out in underwear with the guy that makes the fried shrimp? Nah, not really. At least not now. Not in the training, the training session. Maybe after the store closes, you know, maybe we go home later. That's it though. Not the training sessions. Come on now. No. At some point, really, I go back to no how about uh no 
And we are at a place now in the world where they don't want anyone to disagree. We started with the Mumford and Sons guy, right? He tweets out that he liked a book and gets called, oh my gosh, it's a horrible thing. And he's going to step back. He quits the band, the banjo player, because uh, he wants to, uh, what was the phrase? Stepping uh, stepping away to uh, examine his blind spots. Ugh, agonizing. So I get to that by I'm finding out that, uh, you know, it wasn't just Pierce Morgan who got fired. I'm sorry, stepped away from his position on uh, Good Morning Britain. They claimed that they had 41,000 complaints. Okay, so big deal. They get complaints about stuff all the time, right? And uh, that's what Pierce is on that show for. But uh, we also found that uh, the head of the Society of Editors, an industry body for the UK press, resigned over its reaction uh, to Harry's comments about the tabloid media. And we find out that Megan filed a complaint a formal complaint with ITV. So, and they bowed down to Megan, the former princess. Now, uh, she submitted a formal complaint to ITV about his remarks. Wow. Now, when asked about it, ITV didn't deny it. So, there, because the reports were that she issued a formal complaint. And the line was that uh, she, it wasn't about the personal attacks on the validity of her racism allegation made against the royal family. Right. Or her claims she was not supported by the institution when experiencing suicidal thoughts. But how Morgan's comments may affect the issue of mental health generally and those attempting to deal with their own problems. Oh my gosh. That is agonizing. Agonizing. I, I, that makes me so, I, I, if they think they're going to win this, this way, good luck, I guess. Good luck. I know Pierce responded saying, uh, on Monday, I said, I didn't believe Meghan Markle in her Oprah interview. I've had time to reflect on this opinion and I still don't. If you did. Okay. <laughs> he, he went on to, to tweet freedom of speech is a hill. I'm happy to die on. Thanks for all the love and hate. I'm off to spend more time with my opinions. And he, there's a picture of Winston Churchill with the quote, some people's idea of free speech is that they are free to say what they like, but if anyone says anything back, that is an outrage. Uh, yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, that's just incredible. We Look, we've started, we're already smack dab into uh, race uh, playing a, unbelievable role in our lives and when you thought 12 years ago now that when or maybe even 13 now uh, when Barack Obama was elected president of the United States that the issue of race was over because America had elected an African American president of the United States were you 
so wrong. And I was just as wrong with you. I mean, I knew what kind of guy he was and I knew what he had talked about and the way he was raised, but I really did. I guess I was hoping for the best and that was not what happened at all. And we are now smack dab in this, the heat of the race battle, man. And it doesn't matter who you are. And look, I, I, I don't even know what, how, how much African-American blood Megan has. I know she's, you know, mixed race and has always talked about being mixed race. But she now apparently, you know, I don't know what she doesn't matter what she identifies. She claimed that, uh, you know, talk about the baby. We talked about that here on this show, too. So, yeah, people were having that talk. I, does that make you racist? I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I guess so. I guess if you're white, it does, right? If you're black, it doesn't. But if you're white, it does. So, all right. I know that uh, uh, Sharon Osbourne had a big meltdown with her co-host on The Talk as she was sticking up for Pierce Morgan. And she was saying, uh, I think originally she talked about how she didn't agree with Pierce, but uh, he's not a racist. And uh, she was uh, wound up at her co-host for uh, claiming that Pierce was a racist and that she was a racist. Right? So... She said his actions, Pierce's actions, were childish, but defended his right to his opinion. And Underwood closed out the segment by noting, well, as they say in my country, a hit dog will holler, look like somebody been hit. And so the next day, apparently they got some bad feedback, and Osborne restated her belief that while she disagrees with Morgan, he's a longtime friend and colleague and has a right to his opinion. And her belief is that doesn't mean she's racist. I'm not a racist. Neither is Pierce a racist. I hate the fact that even saying I'm not a racist is a terrible, evil word to call anybody without knowledge of that. And then uh, they started talking about pointing out how racism is overt and that Morgan's out-of-hand dismissal of Markle's experiences of racism would constitute racism itself. And that, in this moment, we need people to stand up for anti-racism, that simply not being racist oneself is not enough. And then they went to a commercial break, and then they came back, and they were still going at it. I will ask you again, Cheryl. I've been asking you during the break. I'm asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. Yes. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say racist things. Ed educate me. Tell me. It, it is not the exact words of racism it's the implication and the reaction to it to not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is that's what makes it racist but but right now 
I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend. And I don't want anybody here to, to watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist. And, oh. and, that, and, and for that, if I articulate it. Yeah, I think it's anything, too late. I think that okay. he's already sown. But that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, wow. So we'll see. So remember, it's not the exact words but the implication and reaction to it. Interesting. That's an interesting way to put the explanation of racism, isn't it? It's not the exact words, but the implication and reaction to it. Okay. All right. So when Prince William you know, the Duke of Cambridge and his wife were leaving. They were at some school, uh, the, the Stratford in East London, and they weren't going to take any questions. But of course, you know, as they're leaving, the press is not going to leave them alone. And they start hollering out questions. Uh, have, you, have you talked to your family? Are you a racist? Hey, hey, Prince, are you a racist? Have you talked to your brother after the interview? Hey, Prince, Prince, Prince. But I guess that's what you got to do. And they got an answer. So it worked. Sir, have you, broke, have you spoken to your brother since the interview? <laughs> no, I haven't spoken to him yet, but I will do. And, and can you just let me know, is uh, the royal family a racist family, sir? I'm very much not a racist family. And they walk off. And we're very much not a racist family. So, I mean, you got to believe them, I guess, right? But remember, it's not the exact words, but the... Uh, so remember, it's not the exact words. Okay? Just remember that. It's the, the interpretation and the reaction to it that uh, makes it a problem. And then we still have, I know, I know. I, mean, I got to stop. I got to stop thinking about these stupid royals and the stupid royals interview. But we also have the controversy over what was in Oprah's boot. Uh, you know, they were make, making fun of whether it was, uh, you know, an ankle bracelet from the law. <laughs> it does look similar, believe me, but uh, it's probably just a, a she said it was something to do with uh, uh, the COVID-19. I mean, does she have a special, uh, is it some kind of special, like keep the mosquitoes away and that keeps COVID away? Do the billionaires have their own little special thing that they keep in their sock and it, it emits a, which we couldn't hear on the interview, by the way, and it just keeps COVID away? I, I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking it was more of a, a like a mic pack, you know, a microphone pack so that, they, you know, you're picking up the feed. I, you know, who knows? I, you know, who knows? I, and I, I don't necessarily care that much. But what I do care about is now we have what is called and this is where we're at remember it is not the exact words but the interpretation and the reaction to it okay we're saying that we're talking about digital blackface digital blackface okay so if you use a gif of a black person, African-American person, doing any reaction to anything that, and you're a white person, that's digital blackface. Wow. I mean, we are really reaching into the bucket now. 
I mean, no kidding. So now we're saying that the memes and all the tweets with Oprah's reactions to Meghan and Harry's uh, comments to her questions, they have uh, that people are using and these 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 uh, well, they're excessive. These images are being used excessively. And because they're being used excessively, that's digital blackface. Oh, okay. So any, any, any meme, any gif, any kind of little tweet with a reaction from any person who is African-American is digital blackface. Thank you. That's good to know. It's good to know. All right. So if you are listening to this podcast right now and you are not a subscriber to this podcast, well, my first question is why? There's no need for you to answer it. Just know that you should be. So choose the platform that you're listening to the show on now or choose another platform. If you're not listening on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or Spotify, you can choose one of those or choose whatever platform warms the little cockles of your heart. But become a subscriber to Chewing the Fat, okay? And it will uh, make your life that much better. I promise. And it's a guarantee, guaranteed or your money back, Okay. Um, so just become a subscriber and your life will be that much better guaranteed or your money back. Now, sure. You can, you know, be a freeloader and just listen from time to time, uh, and not be a subscriber, or you can be a freeloading subscriber and people will like you because of that. Nobody likes a freeloader. Okay. But everybody likes someone who's a freeloading subscriber and we all want to be liked don't we so uh, i see where uh you know and i i see where now uh apple has denied putting parlor back in their app store so we talked about it right you I, I talked about it the other day when i was talking about you can follow me you know on twitter at jeffy jfr and facebook and instagram jeff fisher radio and parlor too is jeff fisher radio but the only place to get parlor now is from their website right you can you can get the app through their site but google and apple don't have it don't have the i mean that is ridiculous that that's going to that they're going to block them but i know i know i understand it's agonizing agonizing but i see where you know facebook is got that antitrust lawsuit and they're talking about this unprecedented and it was, uh, this is an attempt to rewrite history. Is it, is it Facebook? Okay. All right. No problem. I see where Mike Lindell is launching his own social media company. Uh, I could go into the story, but just know that's what the man said. We'll see if it actually happens. Greg Abbott called out Gab, an anti-Semitic platform or anti-Semitic platform. Wow. Uh, Greg, maybe you ought to rethink that. Uh, they've got, uh, according to this Abbott, <laughs> after he made the comment that, uh, Gab was an anti-Semitic platform, 
and says it has no place in Texas. Gab responded saying, um, your statement probably is not going to sit well with nearly 800,000 Texans who visited Gab in the past 24 hours alone. What's even more strange is that the Texas GOP itself is on Gab with a verified account. So how about we stop going after the social media uh, companies other than to say, hey, let people post what they want. It's not up to you to decide what's good and what's bad. If someone is technically saying they're going to hurt someone or something, sure, go ahead, get rid of that. But just because people are tweeting and gabbing and parlaying their opinions, whatever that opinion is, let that opinion stand, okay? And we'll decide who we follow, who we like, what we like, what we don't like. And it'll be almost like a, oh, what would you call it? Almost like a free market system. <laughs> uh, some people would call it that, you know, freedom of speech and free market system, stuff like that. <laughs> I know that's old school thinking. I know that's just silly of me to even, even think about something like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just silly. So I wonder if uh, somebody at HBO Max uh, got the axe. <laughs> so my son has been big on the new Zack Snyder cut that's coming out, the uh, Justice League coming out. And uh, he's been all fired up about it. And we've been talking about it. And we've been talking how, you know, what happened to make Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, available and how he made it and the reason why he didn't make it. All, all the stuff surrounding the, the movie. So, uh, and everybody's anticipating the Zack Snyder cut. Well, on Monday, HBO Max users who tried to watch Tom and Jerry, the movie, were greeted with the superhero, superhero movie. Instead, the streamer uh, uploaded the film 10 days ahead of its March 18th release. Okay. So, according to one guy, he uh, watched an hour, and it's a four-hour movie, before it disappeared. So, they realized... <laughs> oh, heck, did I, did I put Justice League instead of Tom and Jerry up today? Gosh darn it. I should have had that extra cup of coffee. What am I doing? And then it just makes it go away. So, yeah, the guy said, I just wanted to watch Tom and Jerry for background noise while I worked. And then Justice League comes up. So I started watching it. It was an amazing hour. He was all fired up about it. So it'll be, uh, it's interesting. That's a, now I will say, perhaps it was on purpose just to generate a little bit more around the movie. So maybe no one got fired. Maybe it was a planned mistake. Oops. So we just put it up under Tom and Jerry. We let it stand for, you know, a couple hours, two or three hours until we start seeing social media post about it. And as soon as we see social media start posting about it a little bit and we get the people who say, you know, hey, I had it up for an hour and I, it was an amazing movie. And then they took it down. Um, then we take it down. And we just create a little bit more hype around the movie. Oops, did we screw up? Oh, darn. Gosh, darn it. We're sorry. Uh, just saying. Just saying it's possible that uh, someone at HBO Max did it on purpose. So COVID 
isn't the only anniversary we're remembering today. I know that we're, uh, if you're listening live on the 11th of March, 2021, we're smack dab in. This week is the celebration. It's not really a celebration, but it's the anniversary of when we were beginning to know that we were going to go into a lockdown, right? Word was coming out. Things were shutting down. Uh, the NBA shut down. Uh, people were realizing, I, I, you know, we were realizing that things were going to change and, uh, I don't know that anyone foresaw the change, how the change being so dramatic, but it most definitely was. However, uh, 10 years ago today, the largest earthquake in Japan's history happened. The 9.0 magnitude that we all know as Fukushima. It caused those three reactors to melt down. It was the worst disaster since Chernobyl. More than 22,000 people died or went missing, and about 150,000 had to be evacuated. And we don't even know how bad it hurt the oceans, right? I mean, we still, we used to joke around about, uh, wasn't a joke, Jeff. I know, I know it wasn't, uh, about how the uh, fish were affected by Fukushima. Now, uh, The government recently offered incentives to any towns that were willing to study hosting nuclear waste. And two out of 1,700 took them up on it. And the home of the mayor of one of those towns was targeted with a Molotov cocktail and they were protesting saying no. So, look, we know that if something bad happens, you can quote me on this. If something bad happens, something bad has happened, right? With a, a nuclear power plant, but they're safe. I mean, look at how many we have, and we need we need more, and we haven't built more, and that's really sad. It's going that will hurt us in the long run. I know that they say U.S. and France and the U.K. are are more willing to consider it as a a zero emissions energy source. Yeah, they might be willing to consider it, but we're not building them. So let's get to it. I know how horrible, you know, Chernobyl was, Fukushima was, but it is, you know, a great source of energy and we can do it safely. My gosh, am I working for the nuclear power people now? No, but I should be. There's no doubt about that. Did you see, speaking of COVID, though, and the anniversary, oh, yeah, we have, oh, my gosh. If you're listening live, tonight's the night, right? Tonight's the night where uh, President Biden addresses the nation to uh, let us know how bad things are in the dark winter that we're in. And we'll see how he looks and how he makes it through it. And I know it was being reported as a press conference, but this ain't a press conference. He's going to show up, medicated up, look good. Uh, put the eye drops in, say your peace, happy anniversary, good luck, God bless, have a nice night. Uh, the UK variant now of the coronavirus, they say, is up to 100% more deadly than the original strains of the virus. Okay, that's, uh, that's good to know. That's good to know, because I thought originally they talked about how this variant wasn't uh, as deadly, but it is... Uh, it is more deadly than the original strains of the virus. <laughs> wow. Okay, so its ability to spread rapidly makes it a threat 
to be taken seriously. The variant is more contagious than earlier strains and was the primary reason for the latest lockdowns in Britain. It's already been detected in 50 countries worldwide, including the United States of America. Now, just under 3,300 cases in the UK variant had been reported in the United States, according to US, according to the CDC. But they have now predicted that, and I, and I think they, they predicted this in January, at least they had talked about it, that it would be the predominant strain. And it's turning out to be the predominant strain. And it claims that the study compared death rates among people infected with the new variant and those infected with other strains. And it claimed that the UK variant meant that more people would have previously been considered low risk were hospitalized. Wow. 62% more deaths linked with the variant compared to previous strains. 30 and 100% more deadly than those that originated in China. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Makes the anniversary even better that we've got the new variant of the new strains that, that are out there. Man, makes you feel good. And and they never, I never see anything about uh, uh, the vaccine. If the vaccine, uh, they're saying that it's a real concern that other variants will arise with resistance to the vaccines. Yeah. You think? No kidding. Now we talked about it yesterday on Pat, on Pat's show, Pat Unleashed during, you know, I was there, there on Wednesdays, Wednesday and Fridays during the Pat Unleashed program. Uh, a little chewing the fat on Wednesday, special segment. Love them for that. Uh, and then, you know, I stick around for the show and I'm there on Friday as well. But I see where they have talked about, and we talked about it here, it seems like a, a while ago, about the drug that the pills that they are saying will stop COVID in its tracks. So it's a new experimental drug. Uh, we'll see if it works. I don't know. I don't know if it will or not, but if they can get this drug on the market and it's a five day program through the, through the, the system. Um, yes, please. So Merck, uh, failed at their coronavirus vaccine at least they you know felt it wasn't good enough so they went into collaboration with ridgeback biotherapeutics and they have the preliminary results from their phase 2a randomized clinic trial uh that evaluates the safety tolerability and efficacy to eliminate the coronavirus in infected patients using the antiviral drug molnu Piravir, sure. Uh, M-O-L-N-U-P-I-R-A-V-I-R. And it's used to slow down the replication of the virus. It stalls the virus's ability to make more copies of itself. Patients who got the medication stopped shedding the virus faster. Just let me say, I realize that we embarked on a plan to just say no at the beginning of the program. But this right here, we want to say yes to. Okay? So you can say no to everything else. But let's hope that uh, Ridgeback Biotherapeutics and Merck 
uh, get their pill program in gear and let's get it on the market. Molnupiravir. Molnupiravir. Yeah, I like that. I think we should name it something else, though. 